Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. You're listening to Islam Tomorrow. You can visit us on the internet for this and a rebroadcast of all of our programs by going to islamtomorrow.com. That's I-S-L-A-M-T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W.com. And while you're there, look around at the other topics on Islam, the Muslims, and what's happening with Islam tomorrow. I'm your host, Yusuf Estes, and for the next few minutes we're going to be talking about what is the Islam and what is the future of Islam and Muslims in the United States, here in America. At present, we're broadcasting almost live from right here in El Paso, Texas. And this is wonderful for me because I, I don't need a translator anymore. I'm back in my hometown, and my home state anyway, and I, I can speak Texan and everybody knows what I'm talking about. Isn't that right, y'all? <laughs> Alhamdulillah. <laughs> when I go to other countries and I visit, I notice they have a problem with my Texas Arabic. Because everywhere I go, they just kind of look at me kind of funny, you know. And I'm no different than anybody else. I mean, you give the greetings, I give the greetings. Right? Let me hear you give the greetings. Let me hear it. Wa alaikum salam, y'all. <laughs> so, you know. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> but uh, it, is, it is wonderful, you know, that we say in Arabic, Alhamdulillah, ja'alana muslimin. It's wonderful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He made us as Muslims. This is a gift, or as you say in Arabic, a nama. It's a wonderful favor of Allah, that He guides people to know what He wants from them, and give them a chance, and give them the chance. We as Muslims know that guidance is from Allah, and we know that Allah has created us for a special purpose. And he told us about his purpose in his last and final revelation, which is the Holy Quran. He mentions the purpose of the human being, and he says, And this, in English, said more or less, he said, I only created you guys to worship me alone. So there's our purpose in all the things that we do, in all the work, education, businesses, whatever you have, but whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, that you can remember Allah, and you can thank Him, and praise Him for what we have. And that's pretty much our purpose. So, what would be then the future of Islam in America? And we have to look at things in the light of events that have taken place. That's for sure. I mean, we shouldn't be so stupid that we're just going to look at books and we're not going to look at what's happening around us. That's kind of like somebody with a driver's education book sitting behind the wheel and they never look out through the windshield. So we have to look around us and see what's going on, right? And right now, right now, there's a lot going on in the United States about Islam and Muslims. Is that true or false? No, that's true, without a doubt. As a matter of fact, I would venture to guess that 10 years ago, in fact, I know that to be a fact, that 10 years ago, a lot of people didn't know what Islam was. A lot of people didn't know what it was at all. I'm talking about nothing. When I would tell people that, you know, I'm in Islam now, they'd say, oh, yeah, I didn't know you moved. 
say, no, 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 no. I mean, I do Islam. It's, you know, Islam. Oh, oh is that a new dancer? <laughs> I used to be in the music business, so, you know, a lot of people thought, well, this is something new like a tango or a cha-cha or hip-hop or, you know. And it's strange because I used to preach Christianity. I was a businessman, preacher at the same time. But when I tried to take my my belief or my religion to another level so that it would become full-time and then let my business be part-time or a hobby, because that's what I've been doing, religion is sort of a hobby, I found some strange things. I found out I didn't know anything about my religion. I'm talking about Christianity now. So I studied it, and I tried to teach what I thought was the real thing. But the more I studied, the harder it got to figure out some of the things. So a lot of people don't want to help you. They just want to tell you, be quiet, have faith. You've got a demon, shut up, you know, like that. So after I come to Islam, I went back down to the valley. If you know where the Texas Valley is, that's down around Brownsville, McAllen, down there. I went to Donna, Texas. It's right across the river from Mexico. We used to go down there all the time, preach and have fun, do things, you know. And so I went back down there, and I visited with some of the people I used to preach to, play music for them and try to call them to Jesus, you know. So, but now I don't have the music, okay? No keyboards, no accordions. Yeah, I used to play one of those. You believe that? Mm. That's, I think that's the, the hardest thing to admit to. But anyhow, <laughs> it's just like a sidey joke. Anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, I went back down there and I looked up some of the old people. There was an old lady and her husband. They were very, very, very nice. Uh, it's it's uh, important to understand the condition of the people. These people were sweet, kind, and no matter what, who came through preaching something, they always wanted to listen. But when I got there, the lady looked at me. She said, what happened to you? I said, what do you mean? She said, look at you, child. You're wearing a beard and you're wearing a dress. I said, well, I became a Muslim. No! You can't be a Muslim. I said, why? You're not from over there. I said, from over where? Well, wherever they come from. I said, oh, 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 wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got the wrong idea. Let me explain something. She said, go ahead. I said, okay, let me explain what's Islam. Islam is all about submitting to God. She said, what do you mean? I said, okay. You believe God? She said, of course, you know that. God is one. She said, of course he's one, child. Everybody knows that. I said, okay, and you have to do what God wants you to do. She said, what are you talking about? I said, like in the Bible, it said, God's will be done on earth like in heaven. She said, of course. I said, you believe God is one? She said, I already told you that. I said, and you believe you need to do what God wants you to do? She said, every single day we have to do what the Lord wants us to do. I said, okay, see, you're, you're actually already a Muslim yourself. No, I'm not. I'm not from over there. I know this sounds like a joke. But it wasn't funny for me at the time because it was true. She said it just like that. How 
when I'm sitting there explaining and talking to her, she doesn't get the picture. Then I came to know that most of the people I talked to had the same problem. They just can't get it in their mind that Islam is something about your relationship with your Lord. They just keep thinking, well, you've got to be from Pakistan. Or you've got to be from Saudi Arabia. Or you've got to be from Palestine. And even then they get mixed up on that issue. If you say Palestine, oh, are you Jewish? No. But they don't get the idea. So part of it is lack of education. But part of it also is because of the mixed signals that we Muslims have been sending out to the people. I'm going to share with you something else, and I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to point the finger. It's nobody here, but, but one time I was in a city somewhere, okay, and a certain group from a certain, I'm not going to go anywhere if I don't label something here, okay, from the Gulf, okay, there were some brothers from the Gulf that had a little masala, and they invited me to go with them, and I, I did. I went out with them after we prayed and everything. And I was impressed with these brothers because they were particularly dissecting a part of an ayah or verse from the Quran in the Surah Li Ilafi Quraysh, which is a very small surah to start with and one that's hardly mentioned in big detail of tafsir amongst, or explanation amongst a lot of the Muslims. So I was amazed and they were taking this one particular word and they were just going on and on and having almost, not a fight, but a big, big debate or d dialogue on that subject. And when they were through, I said, boy, these guys know so much about Islam. I don't know if I should go with them. They'll probably be embarrassed to have somebody stupid like me, you know. So we went to, they said, we're going to take you out to eat. We're going to go out and have some good food. I said, great, because I like, I like to sit around and have that, what they call, cupsa. And you sit on the floor, and they put the rice out, and the animal, and, all. and so they all got in their cars, and we're riding along, and all of a sudden, we all pulled into IHOP, International House of Pancakes. They said, yeah, it's the only thing open at 12 o'clock at night. I said, all right. So we went in there. We sit down, and I, I felt like we were kind of out of place, because all of us were in thobes, and and got imamas or turbans and things on our heads and everything. And we'd taken up this whole area of the, of the restaurant, some tables and booths and everything. And here come the waitress over there, and she said, uh, can I help you? And they start joking with her, like, you know, well, he's beyond help, but you can help me, baby. I'm going, what? I must have misunderstood that. That couldn't be what I just heard. Next thing, she's bringing menus, and they're going through there. And why don't you pick something out for me? And I'm going, well, this is, I'm, let this slide. And they, then she started bringing the drinks, the tea, the coffee. She said, do you need anything else? He said, well, just put your finger in there, and that'll be sweet enough for me. And I'm going, golly. But the brother with me is looking at them, and I'm looking at them thinking, something's wrong. So we kind of like eased ourselves over out of the group, kind of like to the side well, the food came, and they acted like fools, throwing stuff around. Like I thought we, they were cottage kids. But it, it was sad. It was really a sad thing. By the way, I'm not blaming some cottage kids because they weren't. They were engineers. But, uh, yeah. And then, uh, when we started to leave, I said, you know, that's the most embarrassing thing since I became Muslim. 
I'm going to sneak out of here and just be real low-key. When we got up to the thing, now these Gulf people, I don't know if you know anything about Gulf people in tradition, nobody is going to pull their money out and pay. Nobody's going to do that because everybody's going to fight each other and say, you cannot pay. I got the ticket. No, I'm going to pay. This is what I'm ready for them to do that, you know. <laughs> but they didn't. They all pointed to this one and said, let him pay. I said, that's strange. And when he got to the cash register, I found out why. He said, because he said, I'm going to take care of it because he knows the manager. And he told them, manager's a friend of mine. They said, and? He said, he'll take care of it. He said, no, this is like over $100 worth of food here. And, uh, you know, what do you mean? The manager said, Manager's a friend of mine. His name Abdullah something. And uh, I'm thinking, this isn't real. This is not happening. This can, I'm dreaming, okay? Next thing I know, they brought over the night manager. He says, what are y'all talking about? They said, the manager's a friend of mine. He said, I don't know you. Not you, the day manager. They said, well, then you should come during the day if you got something with him. You know, and he's insisting, call him, call him. They said, it's in the middle of the night. Oh, Abdullah knows me. No problem. Call him. You know what? They finally called him. Woke him up. And then what do you think happened? They got in a fight over the phone. In Arabic. You could hear him calling. I said, oh my God. Wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. I said, oh my God. Nah, nah. Tayyip. Okay, alaikum. And they give him the phone. They said, see, talk to him. A few minutes later, the, the waitress and the night manager, they're talking amongst themselves and looking at us with the worst looks, you know. And they didn't take any money because the, night, the day manager had agreed, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pay for it. So uh, I said, man, I can't believe this. And all of them went out through the door, one by one by one out the door. Then me and my friend were the last ones slipping out the door. And just as the door started to close, I looked at all the employees staring at us, you know, just staring. So I pushed the door back open, and I said, by the way, can I ask you a question? They just kind of looked at me. I said, do you know what religion we are? They said, no, we don't have any idea. I said, we're Hindu. And shut the door. <laughs> Astaghfirullah. 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 I'm sorry, but I did that. <laughs> and after I did it, I realized that wasn't right either, but I didn't know what to do. I couldn't leave it like that. That's not Islam. I don't want these people to think this is Islam. But what could I do? I couldn't think. Of course, now i got the Hindus mad at me. But what, how can we expect people in the future, tomorrow, to understand where we're coming from in the goofy way that we act? How can we expect them to get this message when we are actually sending mixed signals? We're telling them, on the one hand, Islam is peace. And then you see Muslims act unpeaceful. Is that a nice way to say it? It's wrong. 
And how can we go out here and tell people about how Islam is, is having so much love in it and we have so much animosity towards so many things? One of the things in Islam is that we are not a covert operation. Islam does not tolerate that. You cannot go in, make a treaty with somebody, and then get a, a, a subversive group started up. Exactly what they're saying about us is exactly against Islam. But yet I have heard brothers say some really weird things. Especially some of our misguided youth. They come up with these ideas. Oh, we have to do something. The, the Hadith of the Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it tells us if you see an evil, you have to change it by your hand. Or if you can't do that, then you have to speak out against it. And if you can't do that, then you have to hate it in all your heart. And that's the weak faith. By the way, that's a good Hadith. There's no problem with that. But how you're understanding it is way out in left field. And some people, that's like one of the only hadiths that they know. And they only know it in English. And you're asking, brother, did somebody tell you to do something? Or you just made this up on your own? One of the things that you have to understand is before you can do anything, you have to have dalil for it. You have to have a proof. And you can't take one ayah out of the Quran or one hadith and go out here and inflict anything on anybody. The minute that you begin to damage somebody financially, talking about economically, or physically, or emotionally, or spiritually, you better be really, really careful. Because Islam will allow you to do all the good things you want to do as long as you want to do them. But when you get to a point that you're starting to do something against somebody, even talking about them can be haram, forbidden. And now, some of the things that I heard when I first came into Islam, I knew there was something wrong. It smelled funny. Because one brother came to me and said, Say, what's a good American name? I said, John Smith. That's a good American name. Everybody knows. He said, no, I mean, what would be an American-sounding name? A typical, yet not common name. Something that... And I gave him the name of one of my friends of school years ago, named Russell. He said, okay, I like that. He said, go with me. I need you to help me. I said, all right. And he went into an apartment complex, told him his name was Russell something. And then he said, this man right here will vouch for me. I said, for what? He said, I'm going to rent an apartment today. And I said, well, you know, my, I, I don't have my vouching with me right now. I'll have to come back later. I got him outside. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm renting an apartment. I said, but you got one. He said, yeah, but I need a phone. My phone's been cut off. I said, well, what do you, why has it been cut off? He said, I didn't pay the bill. I said, go pay the bill. Why rent an apartment? He said, because when I rent an apartment under a new name, I can get a new phone. I don't have to pay the old bill. I said, my gosh, you're going to pay five, $600 to get another apartment? He said, yeah, the phone bill's 1500 I said, wait a minute, you're telling me you're never going to pay the bill? He said, well, you know, this is America. I said, I know in America, if you don't pay the bill, you're going to have a problem. He said, that's why I needed another name. I said, brother, you, you, you're, you're confusing me. On the one hand, you're telling me about Islam, 
And you're supposed to be one of the people responsible at our mosque over here to tell people about Islam. On the other hand, you're telling me something that I can't, I can't accept in any religion. He said, well, don't you know the Jews own the phone company, and every time we beat them out of money, we're helping the Islam? I said, you know what? If you really believe that, and that's your religion, whatever it is, I don't need it. I don't need that. That's nuts. Did you make an agreement and say you're going to do it? He said, yeah. He said, but I had a, a secret agenda. I had a hidden intention. I said, well, you take your agendas and your intentions and everything, and you go on down the road because that's not where we come from. I know a lot of people don't know anything about Islam, but they know the difference between right and wrong. And when you make an agreement with somebody, you have to do it. Now, since then, alhamdulillah, I got a chance to study a lot about Islam. And for sure, exactly what I said to him is, in common sense is what Islam teaches. If you make an agreement with your own enemy, you still have to keep the agreement. And for every single person that entered this country and applied for any kind of green card, citizenship or whatever, you signed an agreement that said you would not try to overthrow this country. I didn't have to sign one. It's my uh, grandparents that came in here and overthrew the Indians. <laughs> whatever that means. And Imam Omar with me today, by the way, for coming and being with us. His grandparents got the free ride over to it. They didn't have to sign nothing. The first Muslims coming over here from Africa, they got free boat ride in the hull of the ship. They were slaves, Muslim slaves. Alhamdulillah. But what we know today is for us, and, and by the way, if you said, well, I, you know, these people out here, they do this and they use their money for that. It doesn't really matter what they use their money for. If you have an agreement, that's your deal, and you'll be asked about that on the Day of Judgment. The Prophet ﷺ borrowed money from the Jewish, the Yahudi. Yes or no? He paid them back, yes or no? It had nothing to do with whether or not he loved them or didn't love them or if they were attacking him or Islam or anything else. Yes or no? Does that mean I'm supposed to follow that or make up something new? Hello? All right. So what I'm saying is, if you don't like the way these people deal, then don't deal with them. That makes good sense. Nobody held a gun to your head and said, make that deal. So it's not right to come along later and try to be subversive. It doesn't work. And subhanAllah, these youth, they would argue with me, and they'd say, no, no, you know, we heard also that we have to, you know, go out and fight, and we have to... I said, fight what? If you want to fight something in this country, but the only way you can do it, you're going to have to get a bigger politician than they got. And the Muslims will never do that because they'll never spend their money for it. It costs a lot of money to get a politician elected around here. 
Now, I don't mean to put anything against politicians. If you think I'm saying they're crooked, if you think I'm saying they're corrupt, if you think that I am saying that the politicians, especially from Texas, are trying to fill their pockets at the expense of others, if you think I'm trying to say that, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a very loyal patriot from the United States of America. And I'm a Texan, alhamdulillah. And Mr. Bush, he came after me, by the way. I got here to Texas before he ever got here. Or his daddy. So I have to have big respect for the politicians, especially in Texas. And that's why I say about all of the politicians in Texas, they're the best that money can buy. Don't forget that. What did I say something? Oh, okay. Well, anyhow... Anyhow, the point here is not what they do. The point is, what are we doing? I heard Muslims say some very sick things to each other after the events that happened here in America in September of last year. Things like, well, now the Americans know how we feel. These are youth talking to me. I said, really? They say, yeah, now the Americans know how we suffer. Now the Americans know how it feels to have people attacking you when you're innocent. I said, I'm going to ask you a question. Where were you born? New Jersey. You're born in New Jersey, and you're saying Americans. You are an American. No, but my parents are from so-and-so. I don't want to say it. I said, and? Yes, and in their country, this is happening, and that's happening, and so on, so on, so on, so You say, and what's your point? Because if you think Islam is teaching us that whenever we have a problem, then we should rejoice when other people get the same problem? That's the opposite of Islam. That's nuts. That's cuckoo. This is not the way Islam was spread. The Prophet wasallam never asked the law to punish innocent people, ever. Even the enemies of Islam who attacked him in Taif and insulted him and put him down, and the angel came to him and said, all you got to do is say the word, and Allah is going to drop the mountains on the whole city of Taif. Their history. This is Texas translation, by the way. Anyway... The Prophet wasallam, he said, no. He's standing there dripping in blood from the stones that they threw on him. And he's the Prophet of Allah, the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the Rahmah to the Alameen. And yet, look at it. When he had a chance to do something back to somebody who had directly done something to him, he said, no, I hope that Allah's guidance will come on these people to the extent that somebody will be calling to Allah. More or less a translation. Is that a true story or not? Did I misunderstand it? Then what are we talking about? Well, they need to suffer. There's no such thing in Islam that we take pleasure at watching other people suffer. This is not the teaching of Islam. There is punishment for those who do wrong. Of course there is. I want to talk about jihad now. What is jihad? 
A lot of people ask me about that. And I listen to Muslims back. We call it in Texas, especially Louisiana, you get over there, we call it crawfishing. Because crawfish run backwards. They run backwards. Is that right, Imam? You ever, you ever seen a crawfish when he run? They run backwards. All right. Well, anyhow. This is what they do. You say, well, it, what is jihad? Oh, oh, jihad. No, no, no. Everybody misunderstand. No, jihad, it just means struggle, and it means to struggle with yourself. That's jihad. You say, that's it? So the Sahabi, excuse me, I'm sorry, but the Sahabi at the Battle of Uhud, the mountain which is right outside of Medina, okay, they're standing there and people are shooting arrows at them and people are pulling swords out on them and they're standing there going, I'm struggling with myself, I'm struggling, yes, I need to overcome that, no, I, don't, I need to, you know what, I need to, you know what, when I, yeah, right. What are you talking about? Jihad does mean a struggle or strife. But at the same time, you have to understand that it was clearly understood when people said, we have to go out for jihad. Nobody went and got their counselor or their psychiatrist and sat on a couch. Because that wasn't what it was all about. Jihad is coming like this, so you know it comes in levels. There is a strife or struggle within ourselves, and that's a form of a jihad. I will not argue with that point whatsoever. This is a teaching in Islam. It's against the evil in myself, isn't it? Then there's another jihad, which is a struggle in your community to overcome evil in your community as well. And this is done through various means. It can be through speeches. It can be through certain types of works and programs that you put together. Counseling, working with people. But then there's another level of jihad, which is when there is evil that cannot be stopped any other way, when you have to stand up and fight against it. And that kind of evil is called terrorism. So jihad is the war against terrorism. And it didn't need G.W. Bush to walk out of the White House lawn on September the 15th and say, Islam is peace. It didn't need him to stand up and say that we're declaring a war against terrorism because, guess what, 1,400 years ago, the Prophet of Islam, peace be upon him, declared that war real clear on the authority of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't have to apologize for Islam, but we should apologize for ourselves in front of Allah for what we've said. Another misconception, the things that people run into, you know, you go up to them and say, well, I got some problems with you guys, you Muslim guys. What, what is Islam anyway? You know what they're going to tell you? Islam's peace. Put up those two fingers, the B for victory sign, you know, peace, Islam's peace. I remember that in the 60s. I remember, you remember the 60s? Remember that? Peace. They used to paint the flowers on their faces and everything. I used to see them guys are nuts. Islam is not peace. How many of you ever said it? If you said it, say stop for a while. Because it's not. You don't even know the Arabic language if you said that. How many of you think Islam is peace? After I said that. You still going to say it? No way. Because if you say it, I'm going to say to you, Islam alaikum. What will you say back? Islam alaikum. What's the response to that? 
There isn't one. Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense to say that. You say, Salam Alaikum. Salam is what? Peace. That's peace. Islam. <laughs> what is Islam? You've got to tell these people, so be ready for them. Tell them that Islam is an Arabic word that doesn't translate, and that's why people didn't translate it. They never translate it. They always leave it Islam, and that's fine. We have no problem, because it don't translate, unless you've got a lot of words. Five words in Arabic come from the root salama, which is the root of Islam. Surrender. I'm giving translation. Submission. Obedience. Sincerity. And peace. Ah, peace is in there. Ah, yes, it's there. But it's only one-fifth and you don't get it till you do the other four. What are the other four? Let's run over it again. Surrender to Allah. Give up. Put your hands up in the air. I give up. Submit to Allah. Sign the agreement. What's the agreement? Sign the agreement. That's the covenant. That's the doctrine. That's the testament of Islam. Okay? And then, obey what you said you're going to do. We say, we heard you talk to talk, want to see you walk to walk. Where's your Islam at? I don't see anything. And then sincerity. The real sincerity. Not that kind of sincerity that as long as somebody's watching, you'll do it. I'm talking about the kind of sincerity that when you get out in the middle of the desert somewhere and there's a red light, you stop even though you can see there's no cars in any direction and you sit there and wait three minutes until it turns green and then you go. And you're going to say, but there isn't anybody there. You have a driver's license. Yeah. You signed an agreement when you took that driver's license that you would obey the laws of that road and by God, that's a law. Stop for that red light. You said, but there's nobody there. That's not the point, is it? That is not the point, and if you said it about Islam, you missed the point of Islam. I mean, after all, if there ain't anybody there, why should I pray on time? I mean, I can pray later. Allah doesn't know you're doing that? Wow, you're amazing. Next word, peace. And the only way you're ever going to get that peace is if you totally surrender, submit, and obey in sincerity. And in peace, Almighty Allah. Islam is all about describing your relationship with your Lord. And if it's incomplete, your Islam is incomplete. Next thing they're going to do, and this is kind of winding it up a little bit here. They're going to ask you, well, what's a Muslim? Because they don't understand the connection between Islam and Muslim. It happened to me in Florida. I was on a radio show over there, and we went out of the booth. The lady's trying to talk like she had good new, you know, good sense about what she's saying. When we got out of there and walked out of the little booth, and uh, she said, Oh, by the way, I forgot to ask you, are you one of them Muslims or are you Islamic? I'm looking at her like, all she knew was this book she bought about Stephen Emerson talking about how he hates Islam, basically. And he's the top scholar on terrorism to... GW. There's a pair to draw, too. Anyhow, they don't know what poker's all about. Anyhow, better not. <laughs> better not. 
So, why, why did she say that? Why did she ask about that? Because to them, they don't make the connection. And it's, a, it's linguistic. It's simply linguistic. Anybody who does an action, performs it in English, we use the suffix er, er, isn't that right? Er, talk, talker, walk, walker, think, thinker, stink, stinker. I never mind that one. <laughs> but in Arabic, you use a prefix, the letter meme, or pronounce mu in front of the object. Now suppose somebody is walking along, okay? He's taking a journey. He's traveling. Well, the word in Arabic for travel is safar. And our word safari comes from the Arabic word safar. And they might like to know that because people like to know things, unique little things. And when somebody travels, he's not a safarier. You can't say suffer for er, er, like, you know, in English. Although sometimes when I travel, I do suffer er. You say musafir. Suffer, musafir. Let's take another one. Somebody prays. Sully. Sully. One who does it, musully. A musully. He prays. That's a praying dude. Okay? May Allah make us musullies. I put an S on it. See how I did that? Musulliin. <laughs> Still playing with the English. Okay. Now, if <laughs> if somebody calls people to the prayer, that's called the Adhan. Adhan. And if he's the one doing it, he's called a what? An Adhaner. Oh, no, sorry. Mu'adhan. Mu'adhan. Yes? Is it? So if he Islam, z, then he's not Islam ik or an Islam er, he's a mu. Islam. Mu Islam. Muslim. Is it? Ah. Oh, big discovery. So now you can turn it back around and say anybody who really believes in the true God and is willing to surrender and submit and obey Him on His terms unconditionally to the best of their ability, He is a Muslim. Now you have to break it down into two pieces. That's linguistic. That means you're taking the verb and explain it from that standpoint. But there's also something called the noun. And that's when Islam becomes a noun, it becomes the name of the religion that is attributed to Muhammad And those who follow it, the religion of Islam, that's a noun, you see. Then you're talking about a point in time that it came as a noun. But it means that anybody from Adam until now, who recognizes God is one, tries to obey Him according to whatever commandments are out there at that time, they're a Muslim. They're a Muslim. Even if they don't know what's Islam, even if they don't know what's the Muslim mean, or if they didn't know about Quran, that's not the point. But when we talk about Islam as a noun, then what we're doing is talking about the religion as a thing, a person, a place, or a thing. So you just have to make that distinction so they get the idea. But it means that Jews, there were Muslims from the Jews. But they didn't call themselves Muslims, did they? No, I don't think so. Christians, there are from many from the Christians who were Muslims, by definition. 
And by the way, there are many from us here talking about Muslims today who are Muslim only by noun, only by name, because they don't do Islam. What do you mean by that? Okay, think. Think about it. Somebody comes to you and you say, he says to you, are you a Muslim? You say, yeah, I'm a Muslim. He said, well, salam alaikum. You say, walaikum salam, you're a Muslim. I didn't know that. I can't tell to look at you, you know. He said, yeah, I'm a Muslim. Uh, I, my parents are from so-and-so. Oh, okay. Well, we never did see you at the masjid. you live around here? Oh, yeah, we've been here a long time. How come you don't go to the masjid? Oh, I don't pray. Huh? You're a Muslim, but you don't pray. That's one of the requirements. It's time you have to pray. He said, yeah, I know, I know, but, you know, I don't pray. You don't pray? I'm a Muslim, but I don't pray. Oh, my God. Prophet said, he's not from us who doesn't pray. Yeah, but, you know. Well, what about Ramadan? Uh, well, you know, alhamdulillah, but, 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 I don't do that. You don't fast? Uh, I'm a Muslim, but I don't do that. You say, wow, man. What about Hajj? Well, yeah, I'm a Muslim, but, now hold on. Well, Zakat, paying the charity, the poor people. I know, uh, I'm a Muslim, but, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it. You are Muslim, but. That's your problem. See, that's only part of your anatomy. Now, you need some legs. You need Muslim legs. You need Muslim arms. You need a Muslim torso. And you need a Muslim head. And you definitely need a Muslim heart. He said, yeah, but I love Allah. You say, what? I love Allah. Allah loves me. God is love. He said, whoa. Where are you getting this stuff from? You're starting to sound like the Christians. Allah says in His book, He is Al-Wadud, which is the loving. Yes, without a doubt. And He said, don't worry about me, brother. Allah Ghafur Rahim. Allah is so merciful. He's so forgiving. I said, what? He said, it's an ayah in the Quran. فَإِنَ اللَّهَ غُفُرُ رَحِيمٌ Oh, that's right. For sure, Allah, He is the forgiving, the merciful. There's a comma there. Go ahead and read me the rest of it. He said, I'm not Hafiz Quran. فَإِنَ اللَّهَ غُفُرُ رَحِيمٌ وَشَدِيلُ لِكَابٌ Yes or no? And he's the one who punishes with a horrible punishment. Did you miss that? Well, alhamdulillah, you know, Allah is merciful. Allah forgive me. I love Allah. I love Allah. And Allah told the Prophet wasalam, how to answer those people. It's in Surah Al-Imran. Kul in kuntum tuhibun Allah fatabiyuni. You become Allah. Tell them, Muhammad wasalam, peace be upon him. When they tell you they love Allah, tell them, follow me. And then Allah will love you. And then he'll forgive your sins. And then he's good for Rahim. Then he's merciful, the forgiver. But let's get it step by step here. You don't follow the Prophet Sallallahu You're telling me you don't need to take Hadith. You just take Quran. Quran just told you right there, take the Hadith. Right there. 
How many times in the Quran it tells you to obey Allah and obey the Rasul? And one idiot, and I mean this in the kindest way, one idiot told me that that was only for the time of the Rasul. And something, well, you're right, I'll take it easy. And because another one, and I, I can't even classify this one, I'm not even going to advance him to the high level of idiot who told me that they don't have to take any hadith at all. And whoever follows hadith didn't understand the Quran. Yes, they have an organization established right over there in Arizona. Ever heard of them? Submitters International. And on their website, when they first started putting up their website some years ago, I went to it and I saw it, submission.org. I said, whoa, what's this? They're taking ayahs out of the Quran, throwing them away because it doesn't fit their number system. Some kind of numbers racket. I guess they got it from the mafia. It didn't work, so they just throw ayahs away. It's like amazing. On his website, he has pictures of people making salat and telling them how to pray. Going through all the steps, it's right out of one of the Hanafi books. It's based 100% on Hadith. So I sent him an email and said, I think you got a mistake. You're showing us how you pray. You're basing it all on Hadith. And at the same time, you're saying that people shouldn't take Hadith, that they're some kind of disbeliever if they take Hadith. You need to correct it. So he did. He took that whole section out about praying and just left the other section up about don't take the Hadith. Duh. That's why I say I don't want to advance him to this high level of idiot. May Allah guide them. May Allah guide them and give them the true Islam. I mean, there are a lot of subjects that we can talk about about the future of Islam in America. But this subject that I've been talking about tonight is obviously what? It's the obvious thing to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, really, be honest. If you were an American, if you were grown up here in America and you never heard about Islam until the last year and it was all negative and then you saw us, how impressed would you be? How fast would you just like run a, well, I'm going to run over and join those guys. Ask yourself. Because so many people are coming to Islam, we have a tendency to think that we're doing something good. I assure you, these people are entering Islam in big numbers, but not because of you and me, because of the guidance of Allah. And in fact, in some of the masjids that I've been in, it's actually been something more to the opposite. The people came to Islam in spite of the way we treated them. Sisters, I hope you're listening to me right now. I'm going to tell you something. I've been picking on the brothers pretty heavy, but now it's your turn. Brothers thought that's funny because I'm off their case. But some of the sisters coming from other countries, you really, really ought to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to wake you up. Because when these ladies come into this deen of Islam, they don't have a clue 
Their father turns against them. Their brothers turn against them. Their friends turn against them. If they're married, they got a special problem. they got a husband out there trying to work them over. Everybody's against them. They need you so desperately to open your arms. They need you to open your mind and understand they're going to make mistakes. They're not ulama. What they are is brand new muslima. You don't need to beat them over the head with hijab. This is not the point today. And besides, they probably wear it faster and quicker than you will once they understand the commandments. The problem isn't about hijab. And it's not about, it's not about how they stand with their hands or this or that. The problem here is they've given up everything. And they have nobody to support them. And if you start talking in front of them in Arabic or Urdu, and then look at them and keep on talking in your language because you think that's okay, you don't have no idea what you're doing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they walk in with their shoes on, ask them if they have something wrong with their feet, if they need to leave it on. Otherwise, ask them kindly. If you want to, you can take your shoes off. My wife has a foot problem. She can't take her shoes off. She has to leave them on. She's very careful to make sure they're real clean when she goes in any place. But if she takes them off, it's great pain to her. And it happened in one masjid that the lady stood there and half Arabic, half English started calling her names and everything else and wouldn't let her explain. I can't take them off. Until my wife's crying, go back down the car and I sit there and wait for me. I said, why didn't you just tell her who you are? You're my wife. Anybody ought to know. You know, I came there, I'm going to do, you know, speech or whatever. She said, that's not the point. The sister should have treated me like a sister. I'm her sister. That's much more important. And I was asking her, you know, are you upset? And she said, no, I'm upset for her. I'm praying for her. Allah, you know, guide her because she's not showing Islam good. Many of our sisters have been hurt by this. Some of the sisters will never go back to the masjid. And if you think that's funny, ask yourself, who is it that would like to see people not go to the masjid? I'm going to end with this one. I'm going to jump back on the brothers, so take it easy, sister. In one country, well, I'll just tell you it was India. There's a lot of states over there. You can say, well, it wasn't my state. But in India, some of my friends who are from there went back home. And when they came back, they had a great story to tell me. They Many good things, but they said, you know what's odd, really weird? That while we were there at one masjid, after Asr prayer, one of the musalli, there's that plural again, turned to another one, and he said, you have to pray again. Your prayer didn't count. He said, what? And everybody's looking at him like, wow, what did this guy do? We didn't, you know, we didn't hear anything, we didn't smell anything. So, you know... <laughs> so what happened? Why this guy got to go pray again? Everybody, the imam, everybody's looking over there. What, why is he at to pray again? said he didn't have on a kufiyah. 
didn't have on that little white cap. Now look how the sheikh handled this one. I love the ulama. I love the scholars in Islam, and I love those who strive to teach the real Islam. He just went straight to the brother with the big mouth, and he said to him, excuse me, can I ask you a question? When you came through the streets to come to the masjid, did you see any of your friends out there, anybody you know? He said, sure, a lot. He said, did you call them to the salat? He said, no. He said, but the one who came, you're trying to drive him out. <laughs> who are you working for? That's what we have to think. What am I doing? When I first came into Islam, I was with some guys that considered themselves to be on the most perfect form of Islam or the most strict kind of Islam. And I listened to a lot of things they said, and I told them, I said, you know, you may have a lot of knowledge, but your way of dishing it out, you know, it's kind of tough. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I got thick skin. I can take a lot. But you're getting under my skin. And they said, no, you have to know this hadith and this ayah and this and this and this and always, wallahi, wallahi, you know, shouting at each other in the parking lot. Ah! I came from a Christian background. You know what people do there? It's like a library. When you walk into a church, it's like, don't talk. Be real quiet. You know, quiet. You don't shout. And these guys are like animals. And they're saying it all in the name of Allah. Until, until one day I had the great blessing and opportunity to sit with some real ulama, scholars. And I came to know that Islam is something normal. You don't have to wear a white dress to be a Muslim. I happen to like it, that's all. Okay? And you don't have to wear a pillbox on your head to be a Muslim. I happen to like that too. I don't have mine on right now, but I got it in my pocket. In case somebody said I, my prayer didn't count, it's there. Okay? Good to go. Huh? Mia Mia. Mashi? <laughs> All right, I'm going to finish up, and then I'm going to tell you a side joke, and we'll be done. I call it clipboard Muslims. And by the way, I don't know where Khalil is, but we have some tapes. I hope you all get a chance to get the, the tapes before we get out of here. Did you remember about those tapes, CDs, like that? There, you got them out? Okay. Because it's very, very, you know, it's important for you to listen to tapes because... A lot of what I touched on tonight is in much more detail than takes. But I call it clipboard Muslims. And that's what happens when the Bismillah police attack you. You go into a new... Imam is visiting here. He hasn't been here in a while. But suppose he came through the door of a masjid. He traveled all over Texas. He walked through the door. Maybe he'd never been there before. Or for a long time he hadn't been there. And maybe somebody doesn't know him. And some of these youths that run around, you know, Mr. Muslim... And they run up and get their clipboard out. And when he walks in, they got the pencil out, ready to judge, okay? He's not wearing a thobe. 10% off right there. Pants are too long. Five more points. Beard, 
Mm-mm. Not going to get it. He's got one. Too short. <laughs> Miss Wack? You see Miss Wack? No, Miss Wack. Wow. I mean, he's starting really bad. Let's see what happens when he moves up to the line. He's going to pray the Tayyat Masjid, which means the greeting to the Masjid when he comes in. He'll pray a couple of rakahs. We're watching now. This is where we're going to know right away who is this man, where he's coming from. What's his aqidah? All right. He walks up there. Allah, Look where he put his hand. A subhanallah. A stuff for Allah. Have you seen these guys? I call them the Bismillah police. What made me start doing it, my little girl, when we first came in time, she's a little baby, hard, hardly, hardly just out of diapers. I remember this. And so she was trying to learn. She'd been in uh, Christian school, and now we're moving her over to Islam and trying to learn some things. They were quick. Kids are quick. She picked up Bismillah real quick. You have to say Bismillah before you eat, you know. So, in the name of Allah. So, okay. I'm sitting there eating one time. She said, Daddy. I said, yes. Did you say Bismillah? I said, yes, I did. I didn't hear you. I said, okay, all right, I'll say it now, Bismillah. Daddy, you're already eating, now you have to say Bismillah here, Walla Walla Hero. I said, okay, when did you sign up for the Bismillah police? <laughs> I mean, this will make you crazy. Will it? No, I don't think it's right. I don't think this is the way we need to treat each other. Let's take it easy. If you've got a problem with where the brother standing next to you, where he puts his hands when he prays, or how he moves his finger, how he cuts his hair, or how he deals with his face, why don't you do this? Just for the time being, during the prayer, why don't you think about Allah? Why don't you think about Allah? And why don't you think about how you wish that you would pray more and talk less? And when you're all done with all your praying, and ask Allah to forgive you, astaghfirullah, 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 Realize that the one sitting next to you is not really the enemy to Islam, okay? This is not a journalist or a reporter out here. This is somebody believing in Allah. He made wudu, he's facing Qibla, he's trying to pray. And if it's really serious, go to the imam of the masjid and ask him if there's something that needs to be done about the situation and then listen carefully to what he says. You are not hired as the Bismillah police. Okay? Get some other job. That one don't work. So, and this is my advice to myself too. This doesn't work. Take it easy on each other because the believer is always easy on the believers. And he's tough on the kuffar. Not each other. This is your brother more than the brother that you have with blood. And the Muslim is the ikhwan to the Muslim. And speaking of that, everybody here is Muslim. We're all brothers. We're all ikhwan muslimin. Oh, wait a minute. What did I say? I'm sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about... I wasn't thinking about Egypt. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So sorry. I just have so much enthusiasm, you know, that all of you all have enthusiasm, you know, right? We're all having Hamas. So, uh, oops, I did it again. Darn.
I'm going to get out of here before I get in any more trouble. <laughs> I, I promised the Saidi joke. But my favorite joke about the Saidi, anybody know what we're talking about? It's like a Texas A&M, like Aggie jokes. Okay, so this is like Aggie joke, only it's from Upper Egypt. And they're the sweetest people in the world. I love them too much. But they're the ones that told me the jokes, so blame it on them. They asked me while I was over there, how many Saidi does it take to change a light bulb? And I said, I have no idea. And they're pointing up at the ceiling, how many to change the light bulb? I said, I don't know. And they said in Arabic, kum wahid, how many to change this nor this bulb? I don't know. One, wahid, salat. I said, three? Why? They said, one will hold the bulb and the other two will turn the ladder. <laughs> and then I came back to them from one that I'd heard from Texas A&M and I changed the cow to a camel. And I asked them, how many Saidi does it take to milk the jamel, the camel, gamel? Huh? They said, one. I said, no. Five. Why? Well, one holds on to the plumbing, and the other four grab a leg and raise a camel up and down. Bismillah, <laughs> <laughs> mashallah. Bismillah, mashallah. <laughs> this is what they say in Saidi land. I found out Saidi land is similar, similar like uh, uh, you know, a less expensive form of Disneyland for uh, Egypt. So, Alhamdulillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me for my poor ways. May Allah guide me to do better. May Allah guide all of us in the Surat al-Mustaqim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring the nur of Islam into this community and to all the Muslims. I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide the people to Islam, to his deen. I mean, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you of the people who call to this deen. I mean, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasan wa fil akhirati hasan wa kina daba nar. I mean, Rabbana la tuwa khidna inna sina wa akhtana. Rabbana wa la taha mila alina isran kama hamatu ala ladini min kafrina. Rabbana wa la tuha mila malata katalana. Beh. Wafu ana wa gfilana wa hamna anta malana pensuna ala kawma kafri. I mean, اللهم استغفر الله محمد وعلى آل محمد كما سليت آل إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إن أخامدين مجيد. You've been listening to Islam tomorrow. We're broadcasting almost live all the way from El Paso, Texas. You can visit us on the internet at islamtomorrow.com, where we're always open 24 hours a day and always plenty of free parking. <laughs>